Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 3, Episode 198 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us once again today as we continue our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials. Today we are moving into Doctrine and Covenants Section 78 within the, uh, the Come Follow Me materials week where we're looking at Doctrine and Covenants Section 77 to 80, um, covered in the dates of July the 12th to July the 18th. So as I mentioned, we're looking at section 78. And we're going to look at the background and context of this section first. Um, there is something which we need to understand from this before we dive into uh, the section this week. Now, uh, let's begin with the Come Follow Me section uh, that covers this. Doctrine and Covenant section 78 focuses on um, the formation of the United Firm. And in the Come Follow Me manual, it asks the question, what was the United Firm? Uh, the Come Follow Me manual says, quote, The United Firm was established to manage the church's publishing and business affairs in Ohio and Missouri. It consisted, consisted of Joseph Smith, Neil K. Whitney, and other church leaders who combined their resources to meet the temporal needs of the growing church. Unfortunately, the United Firm fell into debt and was dissolved in 1834 when the debts became un unmanageable. Close quote. So, the United Firm is was basically a group or an organization or a program where certain members of the church who, who agreed to uh, follow the United Firm uh, agreed to put all of their resources together. Uh, they agreed to gather it into one, as it were, uh, and have the church direct and deliver and disseminate uh, the, the prosperity and the wealth that came from the, the various um, organisations within this firm. Uh, and I think that what we'll do is we'll go in and look at the Joseph Smith Papers analysis of Doctrine and Covenant 78, which discusses this. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I think it's important to mention, uh, and this was shared on uh, the podcast Follow Him with um, Hank Smith and John, by the way, it's important to point out that the United Firm is not the law of consecration, or at least... The law of consecration is not the United Firm, because I think we need to separate the two. The United Firm was built up and established to help the members live the law of consecration, and it was built on principles of consecration, but it wasn't the law of consecration. Um, you know, we need to kind of separate the two. Some people say that they stopped living the law of consecration because um, they couldn't um, live it righteously or faithfully. And that's why the United Firm um, was dissolved in 1834. So the law of consecration was, was stopped in, in 1834. When actually that's not the case. I mean, we live the law of consecration today. We just live it in a different way. We uh, promise or covenant that we'll devote our time and talents and everything that the Lord has blessed us uh, to the church and to supporting the, the members and others outside the church, but in particular, the members of the church who are the poor and needy, who require our time, our talents, and our support uh, to be able to uh, re receive what they stand in need of. Whereas in 1834, what was stopped or dissolved was the United Firm. The United Firm, we can see perhaps, or we can understand the United Firm as a programme of the church. And programmes of the church have changed over time. Uh, we have had other 
um, kind of initiatives or programs that the church has had, which have come in and then gone away and over time and all those kind of things. The, Perpetu the Perpetual Education Fund, for example, is a, is, an, is, a, is a great example of another program which is built on principles of consecration. People who have giving things to provide for necessities and um, in this case, education that those that do not have would not be able to provide for themselves. It is, you know, another another way of living that law. The law of tithing is a part of the law of consecration, where again, we provide some of what we have uh, to, to the church to build the kingdom. Um, and this was, again, a way that the church was able to gather resources from its members so that the, the, the kingdom could be built and the members agreed to, to live that that program so that the, the, the work of salvation could go forward. Uh, and so I think that that's an important point to make, is that this is not the law of consecration we're learning about now. This is the United Firm, which is a branch of or a, a program of living the law of consecration. Uh, so if we look at the context then of this, uh, it says in the Joseph Smith Papers analysis, quote, as church members gathered to Jackson County, Missouri in 1831 to establish Zion, the need for money to purchase land became pressing. In July 1831, a revelation instructed Sidney Gilbert, who was a partner with Newell K. Whitney in N.K. Whitney & Co., to establish a store in Independence, Jackson County, so the church could receive money to buy the lands for the good of the saints. Gilbert opened the store in Missouri in early 1832 that was funded in part by Whitney and operated under the name Gilbert & Whitney. Whitney, who remained in Kirtland, Ohio, to run his own store, which had been in existence since 1824, received direction in 1831 to provide funding for the establishment of Zion. Money was also needed to fund the publication of Joseph Smith's Revelations. Another venture church leaders began exploring in 1831. On the 12th of November 1831, a special conference in Hiram, Ohio, gave Joseph Smith, Oliver Cowdery, John Whitmer, and Sidney Rickton the responsibility of managing the sacred writings of the church, including the Revelations. Close quote. We might re you might remember that we studied that... Um, Revelation uh, earlier. Uh, it continues, quote, The same day, a revelation directed that Joseph Smith, Cowdery, Whitmer, Rigdon, Martin Harris, and William W. Phelps be ordained stewards and revelations over the commandments, and that any profits they gain from publishing church materials over and above their needs needs be placed in the Lord's storehouse to benefit the inhabitants of Zion and their generations. Um which was, of course, Doctrine and Covenants section 70. Oh, close quote. Which was, of course, Doctrine and Covenants section 70. So this is the reason why in Doctrine and Covenants 78 on the 1st of March, uh, 1832, um, Joseph Smith, who is in Kirtland at the time, um, assembles a group of priests to discuss this. Uh, and it continues in the analysis, quote, at the meeting, Joseph Smith dictated this revelation, which instructed himself, Rigdon and Whitney to organize a firm to manage the literary and mer mercantile establishments of the church. The revelation also required Joseph Smith, Rigdon and Whitney to travel to Zion and sit in council with the church there and emphasize the need for the church members to be equal to in temporal things in order for unity to prevail in spiritual matters, close quote. So this is kind of the beginning of, or perhaps I should say the culmination of previous revelations given to Joseph Smith, Cowdery, Whitmer, Rigdon, 
Harris, Phelps, um, and others to be stewards over all these things and find a way that they could uh, put the profits and things that were received from publishing and the stores that, that have been set up to then helping and blessing the saints rather than those funds going to those individual members and them keeping the profits. Uh, and so, again, you know, it makes sense. You know, it, it's clear that this is a direction from the Lord so that the the any benefits or, or financial gain that was brought in from the literary and the mercantile branches of the church, that it would go to supporting the members in need. Uh, and of course, this is something which I think many of us listening to would listen, would hear and agree that that is a, a good thing to, for, for them to do. Of course, though, as we know, uh, this did not last for more than two years. Uh, it was dissolved in 1834. Now, I'm not a scholar and I'm and fully into the history of the church. I've read about it. I've read the saints book and so on. And basically, there's a number of factors involved in that. People that try to bring it down by um, duplicitous ways. Uh, and also there was um, external um, kind of influences on this with struggles with finances and things like that. And basically, the United Firm was not able to survive beyond 1834. And so as we go into this, uh, we and with the hindsight that this was not to work, I guess this leads us to another question of why would the Lord set this up? Uh, why would the Lord direct the saints to do this if he knew that in a couple of years' time this would not work? Well, we don't know, first of all, which members were blessed because of the introduction of this United Firm. We also know that um, it was an opportunity for members to demonstrate their faith, uh, like Abraham of old, who was told to sacrifice his son Isaac, even though he wasn't going to have to. Um, it was an opportunity for Abraham to um, grow and develop his faith in order to do that. Uh, and so there are a number of reasons why. But as we go into Doctrine and Covenant 78, um, we will learn over the next couple of days the principles behind this and how the Lord directed these saints to begin this process. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed this study. Please continue to follow the podcast uh, on Facebook. You can join it at Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. And you can email session at gmail.com. Thank you very much for your time. And until we meet again.